If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. And we're actually going to be in Psalms 42 and 43. I made that audible uh, just a couple of days ago. And so you have Psalm 42 in your bulletin. And Psalm 43 and Psalm 42 are both in the Pew Bible that's provided in front of you. So that is on page 595 and 596 if you want to open it up and have it there. As you're turning, I'm about to pray, but I just want to read again these last words we sang. God's perfect son was sacrificed to make me righteous in God's eyes. This river's depths I cannot know, but I can glory in its flood. The Lord Most High has bowed down low and poured on me His glorious love. As recipients of that glorious love, let us go before Him now and ask for His love to be ministered to us through His Word. God, as we open Your Word now, we ask Your mercy to be upon us. Minister to us by Your Word in accord with your power for our good. Lord, give hope to those who are perhaps teetering on the brink of hopelessness. Rescue perhaps those who are deep in the mire, in the bog of hopelessness. Prepare all of us to hope in you well when it feels as if hope is in short supply. And show us how to hope in you, O God. By your word. And through Christ our Lord. Amen. The images on the news this week have been terrifying. The images. Afghanistan as Kabul crumbles under Taliban rule, as throngs of people close in upon the international airport seeking to get out, many of whom feel, and rightly so, as if they are fleeing for their lives. There are images that perhaps you have seen that were so stark that I wrestled over whether or not even to mention them. People clinging to C-17s as they take off. People handing small children over barriers to soldiers. People being undone in a feeling of hopelessness. Now, none of us have felt that level of hopelessness today or hopefully this week or hopefully in your recent past. But those images do perhaps stir within our own hearts an awareness of the dismay 
and the undoing that can come upon our souls as we see the evil in this world. And perhaps it's due to evil or perhaps it's due to unfortunate circumstances, but perhaps you have found yourself at various points in life maybe with reasons that you can chalk it up to, or maybe with reasons that just seem totally unexplained and you don't know where it's coming from, but you have felt as if hopelessness or despair or emptiness is following as closely to you as your shadow on a sunny day. No matter which way you turn, you cannot escape. It's haunting, following tormenting you. We find hope in the midst of our hopelessness whenever and however it comes. Well, Psalms 42 and 43 help us to hope in the midst of hopelessness by encouraging us to both preach to ourselves, and pray to God with hope in Him. So Psalms 42 and 43 help us to hope by reminding us to preach to ourselves and pray to God, claiming, laying hold of the hope that we have in Him. Let me read from Psalms through 43. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Remember, as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep. At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. 
Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. May God write the truths of his word upon our hearts this morning. As we seek to hope in God, we're going to see this passage through three lights. We're going to see the problem of hopelessness, the plan to preach to ourselves in the midst of hopelessness, and how we pray as we walk through hopelessness. A problem, preaching, and praying. So first of all, the problem. This psalmist writes in verse 1, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Perhaps you read verse 1, and you see this imagery, and you think it sounds quite pleasant. Quite peaceful, quite serene, a a gentle deer walking along in the early sunrise morning as the dew rises off the ground, getting a drink of water. If that is the image that you have as you read this psalm, you have an incorrect image in your mind of what the psalmist is writing. The psalmist is not giving us an image for a beautiful fall morning as a deer drinks from a a bubbling brook. The psalmist is more giving us an image of a deer that is famished, that is even on the verge of starvation, wandering through a famine and dry land, seeking water wherever it can be found. Do not think of streams that flow fully here. Think of the mountains, or or think of the lakes and the rivers that are so empty out in the drought-ravaged west. And so the psalmist writes in verse 2, using this this illustration of a deer, to say, this is not just a deer, this is me. And the water that I thirst for, that I cannot find, is the God who I follow. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And then listen to how the psalmist describes his plight. My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Has God ever seemed distant to you? 
The question is not, are you a Christian? That is a very important question. In fact, the most important question that any of us can ask. But that is not the question I want to ask as we look specifically at this verse. The question I want to ask is, has God seemed distant to you? Perhaps the better question is, not has God, but when God seems distant to you, what do you do? How do you respond? Where do you turn? This psalmist, we don't know all the circumstances he finds himself, but we can largely deduce, um, as he writes in verse 4 and as he references later in this psalm, remember he writes in verse 4 how he remembers how he would march to the house of God in Jerusalem with other people of God. In fact, he would singing to God with glad shouts and praise and this multitude-keeping festival. And now he seems to have been distanced or detached or exiled from Jerusalem, from the people of God, for reasons that we do not know, but he seems to have been detached and pushed away. And now the psalmist is having been exiled from the people of God, from the house of God, The psalmist now wonders all alone, his soul experiencing famine, his soul experiencing dryness, wondering where God is. The psalmist is wondering, where has it all gone wrong? Or perhaps more clearly, more troubling, is the question, has God turned his love away from me? Is it perhaps the the God that I once sang of his love is now a God who no longer loves me. And that is what we ask ourselves at times when we are battling with feelings of hopelessness, isn't it? Do you remember times when you were younger? When perhaps your heart was more easily able to find itself joyful in the Lord? Before trials or tragedy, before loss, or despair before sickness or calamity came upon you, you found yourself more easily, readily available and capable to sing of God's love. But now that tune does not come so easily. And maybe you are that deer panting for streams of the love of God. And every time you bend your head down, to take a drink, you find that that source of water has dried up. But the psalmist says something interesting to himself in verse 5, something that we will see two more times in chapter 42 and 43. This refrain that he asks himself as he writes these words, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. So if the problem that we all might face at various times, and perhaps even some of us are facing at this time, at this moment, is a feeling of hopelessness in God, that He has turned His face away from you. If that is the problem, how do we begin to combat it? Well, our psalmist who says that his tears have been his food day and night as he has intact, 
he now writes of how we can care for ourselves by preaching to ourselves. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. What do you do when your soul is cast down? The psalmist remembers days of old from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls at the roar of your waterfalls. Listen to this imagery here. The psalmist is describing it as if he is drowning in the waters of the circumstances that God himself has brought upon him. He is writing that God is not a distant, detached, uh, unknowing being who if only he could do something, he would correct it. But no, he's writing in verse 7, I am drowning in the deep. The waterfalls, the breakers, the waves that God has brought, they are washing over me. And one thing that we learn here, one thing that is helpful for all of us as the people of God, as Christians, that we must learn to wrestle with, our view of God is a lot more tolerable when we view him as someone who can't, who, 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 who wishes he could do more while we lay in the hospital bed, or wishes he could do more while our hearts grieve that difficult, painful breakup or loss. We want a God that we wish he could do more if he could, but Scripture forces us to wrestle with a God who is perfectly sovereign and mighty and who allows and permits and even brings hardship upon us. And yet the psalmist strangely writes in verse 8, By day the Lord commands His steadfast love, and at night song is with me to the God of my life. Look at verse 8, how he writes of day and night, the Lord's steadfast love, His song is with the psalmist. And back up in verse 3, he had written, My tears have been my food day and night. It is as if something is starting to change in his heart. A little flicker of hope in God is starting to come to the heart of our exiled psalmist who is longing for water of the love of God. And where does that come from? It comes from him preaching to himself. If I were to poll you this morning and say, how many preachers do we have in this room? The answer is not one. The answer is not two. The answer is not three. The answer is how many of us are in here. Do you recognize that in one sense, all of us are called to be preachers to ourselves? Here's what I mean by this. The great British preacher uh, of, a, of last century, uh, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, commenting on this psalm, said that we so often as human beings... We spend far too much time listening to ourselves and not enough time preaching to ourselves. Let me ask you, whatever the circumstances are, whatever the trials are that bring you to that point where you are on the brink of feeling despair or hopelessness, is one thing that contributes to that feeling a fact that you have listened to yourself too much? 
If you're like me, the way it goes is you start to get bad news. And then on top of the bad news, you start to tell yourself all the ways that it's more and more and more bad news. You start to take all hypotheticals and work them out to their, to their possible worst, worst, worst possible outcome. And then you tell yourself this is exactly how it's going to fall out. We listen to ourselves, tell ourselves the horrible things that people around us think about us. We tell ourselves of the shame that we carry in relationships that went south. We tell ourselves of the atrocities that surround us, that come into our homes on the evening news, and we lose hope. We lose hope in a God who is supposedly loving and good. Because all along, we, we don't realize it, but we have headphones over our ears listening to the chorus of bad news and of worrisome futures. And D. Martin Lloyd-Jones tells us, stop listening to yourself so much and start preaching to yourself. What do we preach? We don't preach. We don't preach that we have no hope in God. But we preach what the psalmist has written here. Verse 8, day the Lord commands his steadfast love and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Good sermon for you to preach to yourself this week, day by day, even hour by hour, would just be to recite verse 5 or verse 11 or verse 13 or verse 5 of chapter 43. They're all the same. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. It's a hope that we share as Christians is a hope that allows us to know that even as we walk through waters of despair and hopelessness, that our future is secure in the love of God in Christ Jesus. To illustrate this, May I take some words that we all preached to ourselves just a few moments ago and you didn't even realize it. Some of you might be familiar with the origin story of the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Just by show of hands, how many of you are familiar with the origin story of this hymn? Loosely, a few of you. It was written by a man named Horatio Spafford. Side note, 150 years ago, names were a lot cooler than they are today. Horatio Spafford. I tried that for our son, but my wife shot it down. Horatio Spafford was a wealthy businessman in Chicago until the great Chicago fire of 1870 wiped out a large share of his personal fortune and business holdings. Despairing and feeling a sense of loss that not only was due to the fire wiping out his business was also due to the loss of a child, I believe in pregnancy, that he and his wife had just suffered. 
Shepherd thought that a time away would be good for he and his family. So he sent his wife and his other children, I believe it was three of them, on a ship that they were going to sail to Europe for vacation. And he would soon join them once he got some business things down and resolved there in Chicago. Sadly, that ship reached calamity and disaster and was ultimately shipwrecked in the North Atlantic where his wife was the only one to survive. All of his other children were lost. He received a telegram from his wife. I can't remember exactly what it said, but it said something like, all is lost, only I survived. Undone by such tragedy, Spafford, a man of faith in God, but faith that was teetering as if a 9.0 earthquake was rattling his soul and would not let go, boarded a boat to travel to go be with his wife as she recovered from the shipwreck and the injuries that she suffered. As Spafford sailed those waters of the North Atlantic and even sailed over the general area in which his children had drowned, he who had been wrestling with God penned the words, to it is well with my soul. He gave us these words that we could sing when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. What do you think it meant for him to write those words? When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. And then imagine Spafford. Imagine the urgency by which he wrote this last verse. And Lord, haste the day. When the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trumpet shall resound, and the Lord shall send, even so it is well with my soul. How does a man who has suffered such loss write such words? This is a man who understood himself and understood his God. This is a man that knew that his hope in life was tied to Christ who had shed his blood for his soul. And that if Christ suffered for him, Christ 
prayed in that garden, Lord, if it be possible, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. If this Christ was the one whom he was united to in faith, then this Christ was the one who could help him to walk through the garden of his despair. Let me just pause. If you don't consider yourself a follower of Christ, or perhaps you're trying to figure it all out, I know that I am not out of bounds by saying that you are you deal with despair and you deal with hopelessness from time to time in life perhaps not much but there are times when that dark cloud of hopelessness settles over you and you feel as if perhaps you can't escape the rain that has come upon you maybe the shower passes quickly or maybe it is one that rests over you. May I try to speak these words of comfort to you. That Jesus Christ offers you the grace of being able to come to him. And bring that feeling of hopelessness to him. And he does not promise to wipe it out immediately or to give you some empty promises of a life of healthy, wealthy, and wise. But he promises to be with you in that hopelessness. And he promises a mercy that fills your heart with living. When you feel as if you're that deer and you can't find water to drink. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I will again praise Him, my salvation and my God. So we saw the problem. We've seen the manner by which we preach to ourselves. Brothers and sisters, the greatest thing that we can do day by day, day by day, day by day is preach to ourselves the love of God and the hope that we have, not in our circumstances, not when the storm is raging around us, but in our God who is faithful and with us, no matter what is raging around us. But we don't just preach to ourselves, but we pray. We get a little closer picture of what it was that was particularly wreaking havoc upon our psalmist in chapter 43. As he writes of those who perhaps had enslaved him, perhaps had imprisoned him, somehow or another, under the taunt and under the agony and under the uh, uh, antagonizing hand of those who would keep him separated from those whom he had once worshipped God with in Jerusalem. And so he prays, God and defend my cause against an ungodly people. 
from the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do you go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. The psalmist prays for rescue from his enemies. But do you see what his rescue is? His rescue is for God to bring him to himself. Look at that. Verse 3, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill, to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. I want to pause right here. And I want us to be honest about something. Sometimes we feel that sense of despairing hopelessness. Not because we feel as if we have been pulled far from God, but perhaps because we feel as if we have been pulled far from those things that we deem to be God's in our life. We've been pulled far from a relationship that we held to be of ultimate value and of supreme worth. We've been far from the God of our dreams of a life long lived. And yet maybe now we've gotten the sobering news that that life will likely be shorter lived. We've been pulled far from the dream of hopes and desires for our children or grandchildren. And now we have gotten the news that that relationship that we even share with them is not what it once was. We've been pulled far from the dream of our plans that we have carefully laid out for our lives, for work, for school, for where we will live, for what we will consume ourselves with in our hobbies. And life has sadly pulled those things away To the point where the circumstances that we now live in, we are in the same context, the same place that we have been, and yet we can't seem to look at our world, but with a sense of darkness that was, that is now there, that was once not there. Have you ever felt that before? Some sense of despair has come upon you. Some sense of uneasiness about your circumstances. That you are in the exact same physical place that you have been. And yet now it just seems darker. May I encourage you. As you pray for God's mercy in that. Allow Him. Pray for Him in fact. To do the work of not restoring the dreams that you had for yourself or for those around you or for your future. But to restore you and bring you into greater intimacy 
with himself. Knowing him, knowing the goodness of his word, knowing the fellowship of his people, that the prayer of your heart does not become, God, restore to me all the fortunes that I have lost in this life. But a prayer of verse 4 where you pray, God, bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling that I may come before you to the God of my exceeding joy. Perhaps God has allowed and even brought about the removal of other exceeding joys in your life that you might find exceeding joy in Him. So this changes how we pray. And it changes how we hope. And in that praying, and in that preaching, as the breakers and the waves and the waterfalls of God's strange yet severe providence wash over us, May we tell ourselves and remind ourselves, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise Him. Salvation and my God. The imagery in the news that we have seen over the past week, week plus, has been catastrophic. If you saw the weekly email that I sent out this week, I sent a few prayer bulletins and notes, even with words from our Afghan brothers and sisters in the faith and how we could pray for them. And there were, of course, prayers for physical protection, provision, rescue. Let us continue those prayers. But there's something that they can teach us as well. As they prayed with hope in the God who, even if the circumstances of this life should separate them from the physical life they now have and bring them to physical death, They know and they remind us from their affliction that this God is our salvation. And even on the other side of that curtain of death, we shall again praise Him. So let us hope in our God. Let's pray. God, would you make us a people who are entirely conscious of our circumstances, who are not in denial of pain and of trials when they come upon us, but who are sustained with an otherworldly, even supernatural, exceedingly great and hope in you that is tethered not to some great resolve in us 
some foolish hope that denies reality, but a steadfast hope that embraces reality and has had the blindness of the lies of this world ripped away. And we have embraced by your grace the hope that we have in Christ and in him alone. Would you make us a people of supernatural, even strange hope, but of sure hope in the risen and reigning Christ. He alone is our salvation. Help us to hope in God, and we shall again praise him. Amen.